Hit it. Ooh. Yeah, yeah. You're listening to Pod Me If You Can. This is Pod Me If You Can. Movie reviews by David and Lloyd. An Australian podcast on your favorite movies. Go to www.podmeifyoucan.com. Welcome to Pod Me If You Can. I'm David Farrell. And I'm Lloyd Hughes. And today's episode is another one of our interviews. Watch the Sunset is a new Australian film, and the novelty of it, Lloyd, is that it takes place across one continuous shot. The entire film was shot in one take, and it was actually the fourth take, uh, so they, they did pretty well. Weeks of rehearsal have gone into it. You know, it's incredibly difficult. There's a lot of logistics that they talk about in the interview. Uh, Lloyd, do you have a, a favourite, you know, long take from cinema history? I'll have to say Orson Welles's uh, Touch of Evil, the opening sequence there. But um, w- one in recent history uh, would have to be, uh, and I'm a huge fo- action junkie, of course, um, is Old Boy. Um, there's a huge fight sequence in that, one single tracking shot. Like, the whole film isn't shot in one take, of course, but this pivotal fight sequence where he fights all these people in the hallway is just one single tracking shot. The choreography, the action scenes, that's like probably the best fight sequence i've ever seen uh there's a great one at the start of the film the player with uh tim robbins i believe and uh more recently the one that stuck out for me was in uh, children of men there's three fantastic long 20 minute or so takes some that take place around phenomenal action and they're fantastic i think with the continuation of technology lloyd we're going to see a lot more single take films but uh, this is the very first one for Australia. So uh, I got to sit down with uh, co-director Tristan Barr and director of photography Damien uh, Lip, and uh, they talk about their film, Watch the Sunset. Here is the interview. Danny, what's going on? Where's Joey? She's gone. What do you mean, she's gone? They've taken her. Who's taken her? Who's taking her, Danny? No. No, no, no. You told me that you were fucking out. I am out. Then what the fuck have you done? Huh? What the fuck have you done, it's Danny? Welcome to the podcast, uh, Damien and uh, Tristan. Congratulations. Watch the sunset. Uh, Australia's first one-take feature film. How does it feel to have it all done? Very good. <laughs> So I didn't know who was going to speak first. Yeah, I was waiting for you. <laughs> I should say I've got these guys uh, on either ends of the world, so um, we'll have possibly some difficulties with Skype. But uh, Tristan, I'll start with you. So um, you came up with the idea for Watch the Sunset, the actual story? Yeah, I did. Yeah, so early last year, I kind of had written a scene uh, about these two underprivileged teenagers growing up in uh, regional Australia. And then uh, that kind of developed when Damien and I started to think about uh, an idea for a feature film. Wonderful. And um, who had the idea to make it all in one take? Well, it was kind of between both of us, really. We we knew we wanted to shoot something in Kerrang! And um, that's where Damien's from. And uh, so we'd been up there many, many times trying to location scout and think about a few different concepts and then we kind of came to this idea of a single take film. Can you remember it like that, Damon? 
Yeah, it was basically both of our minds just collided and said, well, we want to do really long takes. So we want to, we want to grab the audience and bring them along for a long period of time. So we just said to each other, well, instead of doing like separate long takes and going over and over and over again, why don't we do it in one shot? Do the whole thing, do it over, say, five days and just get the best performance we can. Yeah, the film kind of started off in this idea that every scene would be a single take. Kind of like Irreversible with uh, Monica Bellucci. Exactly, yeah, yeah. And, yeah, the, and there's, there's been quite a few films and, and we were... And I was, I was really fascinated by a few different kind of long extended take shots. Um, I mean, you know, I think around the time the, the True Detective episode came out in the kind of first season of True Detective. There's this long shot where they go through houses, through kind of this uh, gangland in America. As well, there was a French film, uh, Little Lies, I think it was called. She does this amazing uh, first opening take of a film. And, uh, yeah, those kind of things were just kind of popping up and I was like, we, we should give this a go. Uh, Damien, so you're from Kerrang in uh, Northern Victoria. Yes, that's correct. Did you have to pitch the, the location at all? I understand you guys shot uh, Beckoning the Butcher there as well. Yeah, so we shot uh, Beckoning the Butcher just a little bit out of Kerrang. I said to Tristan, well, why not use all the resources that we can? That's, that's, how, we're, that's how we've made films is like use as many resources as possible. So I said, well, let's shoot it in Kerrang. There's no... There's not such a big population there. The whole town will support us, so it's probably the easiest way to go about it. And then they they absolutely jumped on board. Like Tristan said earlier, we went up there um, like a year back and started doing some location scouts because Tristan just loved the the barren landscape and the sort of the harsh sort of feeling that the streets gave it. So we just said, yeah, we'll just do it here. We sort of went around all the all the town people, motels, churches, schools, and everybody just jumped on board. Yeah, Robert Rodriguez has that theory where, you know, he uses everything at his fingertips. You know, if he has a certain model of car and if he has a shotgun, he incorporates everything into the script, of course. Um, that's why we see the turtle in, you know, uh, El Mariachi and stuff. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, exactly, and and I think that's that's what makes films so uh, individualistic is that it, they kind of they they are the world of the filmmakers, and and this film especially is is a world that you know we were very familiar with, and especially Damien having grown up there. So uh, some of my favorite long takes are you know Goodfellas, this particularly long one where he enters the restaurant. And Children of Men, uh, which I think has three fantastic long takes in it, if I'm remembering correctly. Yeah, the part where they're driving on the road and the yeah. bikes flip in front of them, then the part where they go through the bus and the, through the apartment block, yeah. If you, if you couldn't tell, Dam Damien watched Children of Men many, many times in preparation <laughs> to shoot the film. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I was going to ask Damien, you know, if you took some inspiration from any films such as that. Was Children of Men Absolutely. the only one? Or? Yeah, it's one of my favourite films. Um, looked a little bit at Birdman and Tristan actually introduced me to the film uh, Boxing Day. By Australian film? Yeah, the Krev Australian film. Yeah, Krev Stenders, yeah. um, who's the director of that, actually went... Uh, he went to the same school as me, but obviously a, a, a while beforehand. But uh, yeah, it's uh, kind of an unknown, or it's little known Australian film, but it's it's kind of, it's very along the lines of what the film we made as well. Yeah, right. Okay. 
but you guys are still the first one take feature film uh like authentically all done in the one shot yeah so i mean we uh, this was we actually got a bit of uh slack from crev on uh on online the other day uh, about it and uh he was kind of saying oh i don't know about the whole you know first australian one shot because boxing day was supposed to be a one shot film but uh yeah, we we've kind of technically termed it uh, as we we haven't really cut in our film, and there's a few cuts in his. Mm, that is the difference. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Is that that slight difference. So uh, you guys got it right. You got the take that is used for the film on the fourth day, was it? That's right. Yeah. So I mean, the first few days there was some some major. Um, malfunctions. Yeah, major malfunctions. Yeah, do you want to talk about it, Damo? Yeah, so we were using a, um, we used the Came 7800 stabiliser and we, we chose this device because we couldn't find any other, any other device that would fit through the car door or a camera, which was the uh, Lumix Panasonic GH4, which was small enough yet shot at 4K onto a 128 gigabyte SD card and it was just, yeah, there were a few hiccups along the way where we would get out of the car and the car would knock the the stabiliser, so it would sort of throw us out of whack, but we kept going with the film and we just used that as a rehearsal. There's uh, one there's one part where we're just walking along in a in a park and the the stabiliser just decided to flip out and just yeah, just give us the shits. So we just Anyway, we just kept it kept it rolling, and then there was one time we were inside the car, and uh, the AC Jesse Fleet was sitting right next to me, and he lifted his knee a bit high, and it smacked the camera out. So yeah, just a, just a few technical issues. But so each time it was a technical problem. Yeah, I mean that's the thing, Dave. Dave like, the actual camera movement in this film is is so hard like for these guys i mean they were sitting on top of each other they were in and out of cars on top of cranes literally when it, they would have to pass the camera between them over seats in the car and get out and and the other the other ac would have to hold the camera while damien's running around the camera uh, running around the car in order not to be seen in the shot and it was just like they were just crazy putting their their bodies on the line just all the time. Mind, they, you, mind you, Tristan is actually talking us up as well. He uh, <laughs> he is the writer, director, and producer, and also you could claim. All right, mate. Let's let's cut that. Let's get, <laughs> you. You can get rid of that, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I will. So look, you guys use nine locations, correct, over the course of the eighty-two minutes? Yeah, that's correct. So did you ever sort of think um, maybe, you know, doing a, a film all in one place like phone booth or something may have, you know, was it ambitious <laughs> enough? Or <laughs> Well, you know, one, actually one of the, the shots, I mean, we, we knew the nine locations and, yeah, we, we, were, we were kind of okay with that because we'd mastered getting in and out of the car. But then when we got to, to, came to the, the shooting week, we actually we said this isn't ambitious enough, and we decided to get a shot outside of the car while the car was traveling, separate to the car. Yeah, yeah. So like, kind of in a chase car, uh, getting a shot, and uh, 
And that is quite an ambitious thing to pull off during the the kind of, you know, rehearsed single take. So we had to have, you know, a car come up and pull alongside at an exact time during the during the shoot and I mean that made things all that more complicated. But I mean it was it was full of adrenaline, wasn't it, Damo? Yeah, that's pretty much what we both ran on or all of us ran on basically. So yeah. Damien, is this the most physically demanding film you've ever shot? <laughs> yeah. Easily. <laughs> Easily, yeah, by far. But the next one's gonna be a little bit more strenuous, I think. Okay, right. We'll get to that at the end. Tristan, so you were also acting in the film, correct? Yeah, that's right, yeah. So I played so, uh, Danny Biaro. Um, as a sort of director as well, you know, did you ever feel the need to wanna call cut? <laughs> Well, I actually, there was two directors. It was me and Mick Gosden. And he's also acting in the film, yeah. Yeah, he's also acting. And uh, so we, although, yeah, the, I suppose that, that could have been a, a downfall, but because there was someone else directing, we didn't really feel the, the need to call cut. And you kind of, once you were in the, the acting kind of role, you, you had to just commit to that. And and similar to everyone else involved is when we kind of called action at the beginning of the film, uh, we kind of made it that it was an unwritten rule that you have to follow the film through until the very end, no matter what happens. I mean, uh, you know, uh, these actors, uh, you know, uh, Chelsea Zeller and Aaron Walton and uh, Zia Zantis, Minicom, they, they were so committed to their their roles that uh, I mean there was there was this time where uh, a policeman pulled us up in in rehearsals and he drove past luckily but you know we we had fake guns and stuff in the car and I mean fake but they were kind of real real looking guns real enough for a police officer to to warrant ask some questions yeah yeah, yeah exactly and um, and I mean that 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 brought this essence of intensity and. And everyone knew, just you know, no matter what happened, it would have been really interesting had police pulled us over, or um, yeah, I don't know, like the car was to actually crash, uh, something like that. I mean, that would have made a very interesting film. Yeah, so yeah, it was it was intense. That was the, that was the essence of it. That sounds like a very intense set to be on. Well, on on actually on one of the days, Tristan came across a slow car. And instead of going around the car on the right-hand side of the road, he went around the car on the left-hand side of the road in the side cut. So, and that's in the film, then. <laughs> yeah, I think I think that may have been. Was that on the fourth day? It might have been on the fifth or or third day. Yeah, I think yeah. it was either the third or fifth. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, great. Interesting though. You're gonna have a lot of extra features, I'm sure, of of the moments where it went wrong and everything like that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, De- Demo actually. Um, uh, strapped a GoPro to his chest, or, or the the AC did, just to show that we actually did do it in the in the single take. And I mean, there is there's to 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 show off some of the moves that kind of these these camera guys pulled off. Is yeah, it'll be very very cool to to show people. Absolutely, I've seen a picture of the crane you guys were on uh, in some of the behind the scenes photos. That looks intense enough, but uh, as well, hanging outside of a car, you know, changing in these chase vehicles, it all. It sounds strenuous for you guys, you know. Yeah, it's fun. Yeah, and but that that I think that actually, I mean, for me, that's part of the downfall of many sets is that you you get on set and you know you work through and you get the same shot of this one thing for you know twenty thirty takes, and 
by the time that the actor needs to do something that's actually you know meaningful to the to the shoot it it um their energy is gone the set's energy is gone the essence of what the you know the moment or the the dramatic um kind of uh, context of the scene is just kind of lost in this kind of tediousness that the film crew has to go through and i, I suppose that's something that i really loved about this shoot is just uh, staying involved and engaged because you you had to out of necessity yeah absolutely I, I recently spoke to someone on the podcast who used multiple cameras for their feature film and um it was, a lot of it was to do with the actors and getting those performances and when they improvised you know getting the reactions as they happened and again long takes but obviously not anything as long as yours yeah exactly and i think i think i, I really notice that in films now and I mean, it's, it's something that goes beyond the lines and the, you know, the, the writing and, and the shot and how it looks is, is, is that essence and, and that, you know, when, when you capture something on, on film that's truly, you know, in the moment and, and could not have happened, you know, without, you know, all things going wrong or, you know, I, I, love, I love seeing that. I love watching that's, that. And I think that's the best thing about the way that we did it, it was like we, we had so many weeks. Like I know the film was a quick turnaround, but we had so many weeks like of every single day just talking about the film, how we were going to shoot it. Is it the best thing to open the film with a with titles and a seven-minute opening where the action begins? Like is it is – it, but it works. It just works and it's the risk that we needed to take. Like – these are the questions that we had to answer before we shot the film because it wasn't as if we could go back and say, hmm, we should just pick that shot up or... Yeah, exactly. There was nothing, there was nothing that we could fix in post. It, it just had to be ready for the day. Not really a safety net there for us. So it was just, it was just about a bunch of uh, trust that we had, had with... Uh, we actually had 85 people in the whole film with uh, crew, cast and main characters. So, yeah, it was just... Yeah, it's such a great, great experience for us both. I want to check with both of you, I suppose. I'll start with you, Damien. You can answer the question first. How many things sort of went wrong in terms of like happy accidents as you actually shot the film? You know, are there moments when you watch it back that you wish were different or anything that you are so pleased happened? But there's actually a point in the film where we're supposed to get back into the car and, um, Tristan playing the lead character closed all the door all of the doors except for his own and at that point there's no dialogue through there so Jesse the AC gave him direction gave the director directions (laughs) so it was pretty much we had to get we couldn't reopen the door to let the cameraman in so we had to improvise on the spot so we went over the top of the actors both of the AC and the cameraman yeah, so they, so I got in the car and they were kind of climbing over me and, you know, barking directions at me. And this is probably, uh, I don't want to actually say where it is in the film because you might, it might bring the audience. Yeah, but it, uh, it, uh, yeah, actually, Damo, that, that moment is really cool now. I really like that. And, yeah. and wouldn't, we wouldn't have created that without a mistake, hey? So it was a very, I'm very happy that that accident happened. Damien, how did you find a five-week rehearsal period? Was it great for blocking out everything and just really getting down to nuts and bolts? You, well, it started off, Tristan and I, we just went out to a park and we were just, it was, the first thing was, was finding out which car 
would work and which equipment was going to work. We tried the Movi that wouldn't fit through the door because the handles were too wide, different cameras, cameras couldn't hold that much that much information. So we just we put everything down down a scale and then got inside Tristan's car then we worked out we could just use a bigger car with bigger doors and then like every single week going forward we would add more actors, get more people involved and then it would be turn turn into a group a group rehearsal, but it, we never shot the film completely until the very first day. Tristan, I don't want to put any spoilers in this at all. I want people to check out the film themselves. But in the trailer you guys have put out, I was curious that there it does seem to be a car crash in the trailer. Is that right? There, There is, yeah. Okay, so did that car crash four times or five times, once per day? Let's, or is this... Let's not say. Not yeah. say? No problem. Let's, yeah, let's uh, wait, wait and see. Okay. Uh, in my head, I was thinking like, uh, you know, this would have been an amazing thing to reset so many times, but uh, we will let that be and just let it sit there. Was the film shot around an actual sunset? Because um, <laughs> watch, watch the sunset, you know, that's great lighting around the sunset, Damien. So, you know, magic hour. Did you guys incorporate a sunset? We actually did. We had... We worked out how long it was going to take to shoot the film and then we worked back from Sunset, which Ali Bjornstad, the, uh, the assistant director and the production manager, had worked out via Google and said, oh, well, it's going to set at 6.23. And so we worked back from that for, and we started roughly 4.15 or something like that. So, yes, it was set around the sunset. Yeah, well, that explains why you couldn't sort of do more than one take per day because yeah, obviously right. you only get one sunset. Yeah. Did yeah. you have, did you, I'll, I'll ask you, Tristan, did you have any contingencies for weather, you know, um, pouring rain? Would you still have shot everything? Yeah, actually, we, we were actually hoping that it, it, it would have rained one, one day just so we, we could get that that take um i mean it would have been disastrous in in some areas of the film but i mean in other areas it, it would have uh, given it a, a whole new element but basically all the equipment we had was you know able to be waterproofed and uh, you know uh, used in and in, in all sorts of weather conditions and i i mean it was it was basically up to the actors and the crew that about how much they wanted to push themselves and everyone wanted to push themselves quite far. So, I mean, I don't think weather would have held us back at all. And and it was actually quite mild during the days, if I can remember. Do you, do you guys both think that more one-take features will be made from now on, given sort of the advances in technology? Yeah, I reckon, I, I, think, I think they will. If, yeah. crews, if crews are interested in doing it and... Um, have the patience and are wanting to do it, then yeah, I think so too. It's it's something that I'm like, I definitely will take into my future filmmaking. Maybe not, you know, all in one take again, but the extended takes I think are, are becoming more accessible to filmmakers due to technology. It's definitely definitely a different way of telling a story. It, it, it brings the audience along for a longer period of time, brings their attention with you. It means like you can't, can't look away from the action because it doesn't cut to a reverse or something like that. Yeah, and and it's something we we are kind of getting bombarded with online as well. You know, we we see these, I don't know, like clips on YouTube of you know the real events of you know people filming on their phones and things like that. And 
And I mean, that kind of reality, you know, is is kind of cool to to show that through film. And I'm guessing as actors as well, uh, you prefer the long takes, you know, it's more theatrical, you know, get it all sort of, uh, you know, stay in that emotion and, and acting yeah. with others as long as possible. Yeah, exactly. Right, yeah. Exactly. It's like a it's like a theater play, and I mean, all the actors they're kind of theater trained, and yeah, I I much prefer it, and and you you don't have time to really judge yourself or yeah get out of character. It's it's just kind of commitment the whole way, and yeah, it's really exciting. Yeah, in one of the like the film starts, and we we get introduced to another couple of characters, maybe. 20 minutes into the film and you don't see those characters for another 20 minutes and the the build up the tension that is going on like the excitement to know that their turn is coming is just building and building and building until they see those next characters come through the door where their interaction is happening the camera is following them and they know that as soon as they see that camera bang it's showtime and that's a tense thing for an actor, no doubt. You know, you don't want to be the one to mess up the take. <laughs> exactly. And and Aaron was actually, uh, Aaron, who plays the lead antagonist, um, Aaron Walton, he was saying to me the best thing about his character is he, he kind of, yeah, it is a, the whole film kind of builds up to the moment where he, his, he has a scene and the energy that he says that's behind that and that you really the whole film is kind of, determined on his performance in this kind of scene he yeah he thrived off that and he said that just worked so well for his character because you know his his character was quite intense as well so yeah i mean i couldn't have picked a better dude to to have there for that because he he really thrived off that uh, adrenaline so tell me also about uh, you had a child actor on set i believe it was her first film how did how was that experience yeah, Annabelle Williamson, who's a lovely, lovely little girl. She, yeah, she came on because we did some auditions in Kerrang in Damien's local school. Damien, you, you got in touch with them through your teacher? Yeah, through the principal of uh, the Kerrang Primary School. Uh, sorry, St. Joseph's Kerrang Primary School. And so we, um, yeah, we had auditions and we, we wanted a local, a local uh, child just because you know, travel and, and, and we knew the process was going to be quite difficult in itself. I mean, travelling from Melbourne for four hours wouldn't wouldn't have been great for any child. So we wanted a local child. And yeah, and so we found we had a few audition rounds and we found Annabelle who her essence and her maturity on set was just incredible. She was so focused and 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 just got how how the scenes made her feel and and how they would make someone feel in that situation and then she would you know she knew she 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 caught on to that this whole acting thing and the mo- the moment she kind of you know that they would that we would call cut you know she would be laughing and you know playing around again and yeah, she she was just incredible I, yeah it's just uh, the way that uh, Annabelle just bought everything like at the very beginning, she was she was very very nervous, and she was like, because her mother would come to set PJ Williamson, she'd be there like every single day, just making sure that she felt comfortable with us and got to know us. And by the end of it, she was she was actually dishing out some uh, some good abuse to some of the characters that would 
Uh, you know, I won't say what the characters do, but yeah, she would dish out some. <laughs> she'd dish out some abuse to them characters, which was kind of cute in a sense. The the story itself, you know, deals with uh, the problem of ice. Uh, the drugs are mentioned as well. It says based on true events. So I was just curious where you found the inspiration for this story, Tristan. Yeah. So I mean, the story. Well, the characters themselves and that initial scene that I wrote was inspired through some people I know and that I know quite well. Yeah, their stories um, I took a little bit from, but I, I basically I steered away from their stories. It was more the essence of, of the hardship that mm. they'd been through. Um, and, then, and then we came across, and so I pitched the idea and then we all started uh, researching and we, we came across uh, an idea and some, some real events that happened in, in regional Victoria. And then, yeah, I won't say which particular ones, just, just out of respect, but then we, yeah, we kind of took real, those real events and we, we plot, plotted them in the timeline and yeah, and and just the brutality out of those events, and reading about them, and uh, we interviewed uh, a few different people, not not to do with those events, just about addiction. Yeah, there was a lot of raw material there, and it is something that it, you know is a problem, and and it's hard to escape, and 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 that became a big theme in our film, and we we wanted to. Uh, to give these people's stories justice and the reality of this problem justice. Uh, yeah, and so so we worked very hard towards that. So you interviewed uh, many sort of uh, people based, you know, who had problems and stuff. Did you also interview bikies um, to to get a sense of authenticity with them? Or well, actually, the the, the one of the characters is actually based on a, a bikie. Um, yeah, that that I know. So yeah, and and I I know him quite well. So the the stories he's told me in in person over the years has uh, yeah has has informed this film a, a great deal. And um, and a lot of I mean a lot of the the ideas behind uh, brotherhood and um, being honourable, maintaining truth, and and I mean these things that that bikies actually stand for which are incredibly uh noble things to stand for and and they kind of are mixed with this antithesis of the drug world so it's incredibly interesting content in in one way you have you have these men that are, are quite strong and respectable but you know there is that that uh, kind of underworld side to it yeah there's a stigma there um michael gosden you mentioned he was the co-director he has a very intimidating look with his face tattoos he's really embraced the character that he's playing you know to maybe get you to do the the pitch of what the film is about tristan now uh, for those who maybe haven't caught any of the material so far what is uh, watch the sunset about yeah so it's it's basically in, in a single shot a man is on the run from his bikey gang past and a life he can't escape it's so interesting, though. I mean, he kind of has the two families. One is his, you know, uh, wife and daughter and, and the family of the bikers as well because there's that kind of brotherhood that you mentioned. And, and I think that, I mean, there, there is that kind of uh, male bond in, you know, lots of different groupings. And, yeah, and there's something probably every man kind of knows about is, you know, should you spend time with the boys or should you <laughs> should you go back to the wife or whatever, Um 
I, I think that's uh, this is like that on a whole new crazy level. And so, uh, Damien, one last question for you uh, in terms of being the director of photography. Was there pressure on you to keep the shots interesting, like throughout? Because I mean, I know there's there's scenes where you know you're going to move between locations and things like that. Just choosing your angles and, and that sort of thing. I know the directors would have had a hand in that, but any pressure on you? Well, I had Jesse right beside me, and Jesse was just whenever we came up with a suggestion, like I'd throw something out there, and Jesse would we would be very honest with each other. He would just be like, "Nah, not going to work." So we would just work something else out and then we would come together and just yeah everything would just work out so I don't think that there was too much pressure because I had so much support around me so it was just like we're gonna get it like we would every day after we shot the film we would go back and watch the watch the take and then we would just um, break it down and be just like okay we can go faster through this section go really slowly through this section we need to get this character in this section and then we would just keep brainstorming so i think no not really too much pressure just collaborative yeah, that's just, good it was just a, it was a teamwork team effort yeah yeah i was just going to add on to that and uh, with the what damien and jesse did so well is you know we we have in the one shot there's at, at any one time there's kind of five characters sometimes and they have to kind of decide or along with, you know, Mick and I that we, on, on who the action should be on. And, and so may, mainly the process was making sure that the scene revolved around the, the person who was telling the story at that time. So, I mean, these guys did a fantastic job of, of making sure that the story, you know, flowed well, depending on who the the, ca- the camera was on at the time. So now you guys have uh, finished the film. Obviously, you've got your take and you've done the fundraising for post-production. So uh, do you guys have a date you're working towards to have the film completed for festivals? Or Yeah, we, we think in the next couple of weeks we should be, able, we should be on our way and then, and then comes the, you know, the difficulty of uh, exporting it all and getting it ready like... Uh, the cinema package, yeah, the deliverables ready for, for festivals. So wh- when do you think, Damo, maybe in the next couple of months? Yeah, next couple of months it'll be, it'll be all ready to go, very, very tight. Mid-2016 or so. Yeah. That's right, yeah. If, uh, if you guys were given unlimited money, all the cast you wanted, you know, and you could pick the genre of films you wanted to make, is this the kind of genre you'd stay in, like that kind of gangster crime world? <laughs> I've thought about this so much actually since this project and um, yeah I, I, I don't actually know like I, th- I think that only uh, you can only work with what you've got at one yeah. particular time and so I mean and, and I, I hear you know when you get all the money in the world to make films uh, that you know your problems become greater in in different ways and so I suppose um, yeah, I, I love this. I love what we discovered in this genre. And yeah, I think I probably will follow this path down and, and try to um, try to create more interesting content. I, I'm, I'm interested in doing something more kind of uh, post-apocalyptic, more sci-fi, but, but still, you know, steeped in reality. That, that's kind of what I'm interested in next. Money, money doesn't buy, money doesn't write you a good story. Yeah. 
that's the thing. So, Damien, you mentioned you've got something else on the boil. Do you know what you're doing next or want to plug it here? No, we'll just keep that one quiet. <laughs> okay. No problem at all. Yeah. <laughs> just don't let that one out. <laughs> no worries. So, uh, guys, congratulations on reaching your crowdfunding campaign of uh, 10 grand. That's fantastic. Um, we're really looking forward to seeing the film. I'll ask you, you know, would you guys do it again? Would you do a one-take feature again? Yeah, I definitely would. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm actually really excited for another project to come up like it. It, ha- it obviously has to be the right project and the right story in order to, to do it. But I definitely, like, I, I had so much fun, and I think we had a great cast and crew. And the 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 idea of giving it a go again, I would love to love to do it. And I think I would I would uh, do it, but even better this time. Yeah, we've we've been at it one hundred percent. And I don't like 110. percent We've been giving it since the day we started it. So yes, absolutely, I'd absolutely do it again. And yeah, that's about it. I yeah, of course. <laughs> that's good to know. It was a rewarding experience. Uh, in the description of this episode on our website, podmeifyoucan.com, you guys can find a link. It's uh, watchthesunsetfilm.com. If you can continue to follow the. Uh, the journey of the film as it uh, you know heads to the festival circuit and beyond and we'll put a link there to the Facebook as well so they can get updates from you guys and uh, yeah see watch the sunset when it when it comes along guys uh, mid-year 2016 and then yeah we, we look forward to following your journey and uh, seeing what you guys do next thanks very thanks. much thanks mate hit it ooh yeah Thank you for listening. Please like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. Go to www.podmeifyoucan.com. Pod Me If You Can. Movie reviews. 